Change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. cannot continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. And yet our government continues to spend $17 million a day more than the government takes in. You're telling me we got to go spend money to keep from going bankrupt? The answer is yes, I'm telling you. We've raised our debt limit three times in the last 12 months. And now our national debt is one and a half times bigger than all the combined debts of all the nations of the world. We're going to raise the debt limit. Uh, we always have. Uh, we will do it again. We have $15 billion in gold in our treasury. We don't own an ounce. I have been informed by the, that the majority plans to block consideration of uh, this amendment, which is number 1367, regarding the transparency at the Federal Reserve. Foreign dollar claims are $27.3 billion. It said that China has now surpassed Japan as the U.S. government's largest creditor, owning at least 10% 
of all U.S. debt, perhaps as much as $700 billion. And we've just had announced that the dollar of 1939 will now purchase 45 cents in its total value. President Obama is expected to face tough questions over the U.S. decision to pump 600 billion freshly printed dollars into its economy. Now, the move is an attempt to revive the country's finances, but will result in the devaluation of the dollar. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. We've got to give them a stake in creating the kind of uh, uh, world order that I think all of us would like to see. And it's been said if we lose that war and in so doing lose this way of freedom of ours. You'll construct a legal regime to make indefinite detention legal. History will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the founding fathers. For some trips, it'll be faster than flying without the pat down. Anna was was picked to go through. Pretty much everybody except the baby was, was picked to go through uh, the, the scanner. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on Earth. Damn America, that's in the Bible. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. I've got a core set of values that uh, I think have to be advanced um, and, and that I, my individual salvation depends on uh, our collective salvation. You and I are told increasingly we have to choose between a left or right. Well, I'd like to suggest there is no such thing as a left or right. There's only an up or down. We had an election, and it was about a direction for our country. And regardless of their sincerity, their humanitarian motives, those who would trade our freedom for security have embarked on this downward course. In this vote harvesting time, they use terms like the great society, or as we were told a few days ago by the president, we must accept a greater government activity in the affairs of the people. E pluribus unum, out of many, one. In the end, in the end, that's what this election is about. Well, the trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. It, over the course of 10 years, it would cost what it would cost us. It, it, <laughs> All right. Okay. We're going to. The, it would cost us about the same as it would cost. Well, welcome. Welcome back to another hour. I think it would get to this point that we'd be saying, the, Can you imagine? yeah, and I'm yeah, just asking exactly. You're on the left, that. that's my main man, Dennis Miller, talking before it's turn. Welcome back, folks, to another another hour of the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Doctor C. Robert Jones. And uh, good morning, uh, Monday to you all. I hope everyone had a um, a great weekend, a relaxing weekend. I know I did. I didn't. Uh, I spent a lot of time doing uh, very little, not much at all. Um, listened to a few uh, internet radio uh, talk shows, chatted with a few friends, played a little football in the park, rode my bike in uh, Arlington uh, National Cemetery, or rather, rode to Arlington Nas- uh, National Cemetery from um, from. Uh, Alexandria, and uh, walked my bike through the cemetery, which was not easy to do. Um, up and down the you know the various hills in the cemetery, but it was a great weekend. Not much going on. So, with that in mind, and without uh, further ado, the two topics of the night: uh, we are the fifty-three percent, and denial. Denial and still more denial. So we're going to kick it off with Andrew Claven, who's going to talk to us about Fantasyland or 
a political fairy tale. Listen and enjoy. We'll be right back. This is Andrew Clayton on The Culture. Once upon a time, there was an enchanted place called Imagination Land, where everything was just as wonderful as you could make believe it was. There were no evil religions in Imagination Land because to say there were would have been hateful. Men and women were equal in everything because it was mean to say they weren't. And no matter what they did to their children, the kids were all right because otherwise their parents would have felt guilty. And of course, there was always enough money to pay for everything everyone wanted here because if there hadn't been, it wouldn't have been fair. Now, one day to Imagination Land, there came a magic suit of clothes named Barack. Although no one could prove he had ever been born, whenever anyone asked him his opinion on difficult issues, he always said present, so he must have been there. His closest associates were hate mongers, terrorists, and racketeers, and yet he never did anything wrong, because no one would say he had. And though the magic suit had never accomplished a single thing of importance, in imagination land he was able to take the shape of some of the greatest men the country had ever produced. Not only that, he had the power to do amazing things. He must have had, because he said he would. This was the moment when the rise of the ocean began to slow and our planet began to heal. When there's a bill that ends up on my desk as president, you, the public, will have five days to look online and find out what's in it before I sign it. I have ordered the closing of the detention center at Guantanamo Bay. We have already identified $2 trillion in deficit reductions that will help us cut our deficit in half by the end of my first term. So wonderful was the magic suit that the people of Imagination Land made him their president. And everyone was happy. Good job, magic suit, they said. Good job. But one day, as Barack the Magic Suit was walking through the cheering throngs of his admirers, a terrible voice came out of the radio. The voice said, wait, wait, the Magic Suit has quadrupled the deficit. He raised the debt more in two years than it was raised in the previous eight. Unemployment remains staggeringly high. Gas prices are out of control. House prices are tanking. The health care plan is a horrible mess. Our foreign policy is weak and chaotic. Our laws are being unfairly enforced and our constitution unconscionably ignored. Look, look, everyone, said the radio voice. The magic suit isn't wearing any president. A hush fell over the crowd. Everyone was shocked. But suddenly, first one, then another, then another of the people began to shout. And they shouted louder and louder until no one could hear the radio anymore. And everyone was happy again. Because this was Imagination Land. This is Andrew Clavin on The Culture. Imagination Land. A lot of my liberal friends are living in imagination land where uh, talking points are the order of the day. Um, Obama created four point some odd million jobs. Well, that's nice. What about the rest of the jobs? Or maybe he's just starting. Maybe he's just getting the hang of things. Or could it be that the private sector is doing fine? Now, on the 5 uh, this afternoon at 5 on Fox Nation, on Fox, Fox News, um, the commentators suggested that what we got in the gaffe that Obama made about the private sector doing just fine was a window into Obama's true soul that in that he didn't he doesn't believe that the private sector is all that important but what's important is the public sector that the states the governors the mayors aren't doing enough to put more people on the state local 
state and local government payrolls. You see, Obama believes that the government, be it city, state, or federal, should be in the business of employing people so that government funds trickle down from the federal end down to the state level and then to the cities so that what we really have is a socialized system where Americans like you and me are beholding to the government for our our our, our livings that if we work if we if we work for the government and government jobs are the order of the day that if government jobs are provided to us then the private sector can be declared null and void and what we have what we'll what we'll wind up with is um the government employing everybody which is really what Barack Obama was trying to say he was attempting to say that slashing budgets in the state and local governments you know kind of scraping off the fat that extra little bit that's bringing most uh, states to its to their knees collective knees Detroit is about to declare total bankruptcy and insolvency in just a couple of days denial denial and still more denial now psychological psychological denial what is that Psychologi- psychological denial is a defense mechanism it's a defense mechanism that is used by us all by all, each and every one of us at different times in our lives and it's used to often to cope with an unacceptable reality it becomes pathological when it persists for more than a brief time and denial can either allow us the users to come to grips with the pain of uh, by temporarily uh, modulating it or it can usher uh, the user into fantasy land and tonight we're going to provide just a few examples of what it is I'm talking about by the way the call in number is 3478848500 one example would be president obama's recent statement and i quote the private sector is doing fine end quote or perhaps nancy pelosi stating that uh catholic uh, bishops and cardinals don't speak for the Catholic Church. This makes no sense at all. Or perhaps John Stewart <laughs> mocking some of those in denial in the need of uh, grief therapy after the Wisconsin re- recall elections. Take a listen. And remember, the call-in number is 347-884-8500. If Fox was high, MSNBC must be MSNB sad. To say that I'm shocked and stunned is pretty much an understatement. Shocked and stunned is an understatement? No, it feels tonight more like my heart was by the devil. No, wait, that's an overstatement. Tonight I feel between somewhere between shocked, stunned, and devil heart. This is Ed Schultz. Indeed, MSNBC passed through all the stages of grief last night. Stage one denial you know nbc is calling it for walker okay i I think it's uh it's awful close and there's a lot of absentee ballots yet that are still out yeah no (laughs) stage two denial this will not be a massive win for scott walker (laughs) finally stage three just really massive amounts of industrial grade denial Tonight, the really big winner in the Wisconsin recall election is President Obama. (laughs) Yep, just like Obama drew it up on the chalkboard. Hey, guys, I got an idea. What if we could figure out a way to have the core of what we believe 
soundly rejected by voters in a swing state just five months before the national election. Might just be the boost we need. <laughs> Welcome back to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Sometimes uh, the only way that um, the denial of reality can be maintained and the fantasy upheld is through self-delusion. So let's talk about self-delusion for a moment. Engaging in self-delusion is the act of deceiving oneself about some aspect of reality i.e. in the form of pathological denial. Now, as I've noted in previous blog talk shows, we humans have quite a number of pathological strategies, or psychological strategies, with which we can, uh, we're able to deceive ourselves about, well, <laughs> the external world, the world around us. Just a few examples to show what I mean by this is by using or by uh, projection. Uh, some very violent and angry people are able to convince themselves that they are working for peace and harmony. I've known a lot of those folks in uh, in my former line of work. But by using delusional projection, some religious fanatics who uh, behead innocent people are able to convince themselves that they're pure and holy, while us infidels, like Jews, are monsters who eat babies and descend from pigs and monkeys. Think about that. By using what's called displacement, some people are able to convince themselves that there is a devious plan to imminently replace our secular government with a Christian theocracy. For example, the um, producers of the series True Blood, uh, I am a fan of that series, have indicated that this season is predicated upon a Republican desire the Republicans, the conservatives, desire for a governmental theocracy. And it's based on Michelle Bachman and Sarah Palin. And what if Michelle Bachman and Sarah Palin had ascended uh, to the presidency of the United States and, and VP, respectively? And so delusion has taken hold of one of my favorite uh, HBO series. True Blood, where the producers have decided that this season is a thinly veiled swipe at conservatives, Republicans, and Michelle Bachman specifically. By using fantasy, some people are able to convince themselves that, that these particular particular religious fanatics are reasonable and sensible people, amendable to negotiation and moderation. By using denial, some people are able to convince themselves that Obama's economic policies are creating jobs and improving the economy. By using repression, some people would like to eliminate all personal feelings about 9-11 and wipe it from the American collective consciousness altogether, thus supporting the building of a mosque at ground zero while we're still in a protracted war with Islamic fundamentalists. I think you're starting to get the picture, aren't you? When... When dealing with well-defended people like this, by our mainstream media mostly, and those of the Occupy movement, one of the refrains commonly commonly heard when you point out um, their defenses to them is that it's not they who are in denial about reality. It's you, me, 
It's not they who are projecting. It's you, me. It's not they who fail to see the danger. It's you and me. For them, for them, it's simply a matter of opinion whether or not a person is out of touch with reality. And their opinion is just as good as yours. Thank you very much. But let's let's examine that interesting perspective. Usually they convey it with a sneer and with self-righteousness. How many of us have heard it this? That's just your opinion. Everybody has their own opinion. That's your opinion. I know you've heard it. You've heard it a dozen times, and you liberals who listen to my show, you know that's your mantra, your catchphrase. You know, I often say that when women are just tired of arguing <laughs> with a man, when they just don't want to hear anymore, they'll utter the phrase, whatever. Well, when liberals are boxed into a corner and their arguments fall short and they are in denial, we will often hear, that's just your opinion. That's their catch-all argument. Probably the first prerequisite for accusing someone of engaging in self-delusion is that one must accept that there is an objective reality, external and independent to oneself. One's beliefs or one's emotions or feelings without such a fundamental uh, um, foundation, it's completely meaningless to accuse anyone of self-delusion. Although, postmodern intellectuals, well, they do it all the time, don't they? For the record, self-delusion is an equal opportunity political defense. Both sides of, of the political spectrum are, spectrum are able to delude themselves fairly easily when the occasion demands it. But I'm, I'm always impressed at the pervasive self-delusion that is the hallmark of modern leftist thought. No amount of reality can touch it. None, mind you. None. As they wallow in their preferred form of social uh, subjectivism, it's perfectly reasonable. If that's the word from their perspectives, to impute delusion to others, even if every time they do so, they effectively demonstrate the um, invalidity of their own philosophy and their arguments. And that's why, that's why it's so amusing <laughs> to observe their appropriation of the, of the, of the term reality-based community when they don't believe in any reality except their own emotions. And as I've stated on numerous blog talk shows, a liberal will not tell you what he thinks. A liberal will not present to you any form of factual information or statistics. They will simply state, and I quote, I feel like this, or I feel this way. How many times have we engaged in discussions with liberals and they told you what they think? Or perhaps threw a fact or two into the mix? No. I feel like this. And I feel this way. We are a nation of liberal feelers. They feel so much. There's so much feeling involved here. Nothing more than feelings, nothing more than feelings, trying to... Well, I think you get the picture. The truth. The truth threatens their fantasy land. 
the truth that threatens their fantasy land is that there is a, a world that exists outside their heads and outside their emotions, their feelings. And that's the entire purpose of what we call reason, which liberals reject in favor of feelings. It's about understanding that world that we must cope with on a, a day-to-day basis with liberal pundits from MSNBC to those people who live next door to us, those liberals who feel rather than think, rather than reason. It is somehow better to feel than it is to think, than it is to reason. Remember when Tom Joyner, famous radio host, stated that, let's not deal with the facts right now. Wait, and I quote, let's not deal with the facts right now. Let's just deal with our blackness and our pride. We have an opportunity to reelect the first African-American president of the United States, and I think we should do that. And I'm not afraid to say that we should do so because he is black. End quote. Feelings. Let's not deal with the facts. You see, liberals, well, it's it's very convenient to not deal with the facts, especially right now. The truth threatens liberal fantasy land. So social um, subjectivism, it, it, it possesses that our minds are disconnected from reality to begin with. How then is it possible for liberals to accuse anyone of self-delusion? One, one simply has a different point of view. That is by their definition as real and true as anyone else's. After all, isn't that the basis of the multiculturalism and the politically correct relativism? That they persistently foister on all of us? You see, progressives feel... They feel that they can get away with their interpretations simply because they don't have to deal with an external reality or the facts. If they feel it, it must be true. The actual worsening of the economy under their watch, despite driving the country into an unbelievable amount of debt, It's not something they can or they care to think about. Instead, Nobel Prize winning economists, morons like Paul Krugman, explain the failties or the failures. They explain the failures away by saying that the stimulus simply wasn't big enough. He won't be satisfied until the entire entire economy is destroyed. And then I'm sure he will blame the ultimate scapegoat for his failures. Perhaps George Bush or maybe worse. Human nature. I can just see Mr. Krugman's column now. George Bush, unable to live up to progressive reality or perhaps human nature. Unable to live up to progressive reality. Or note the behavior of peaceful and compassionate and tolerant Occupy Wall Street crowd. Or the ones calling for Walker's death on Twitter. Perhaps those folks. I'm assuming the usual meanings of the words peaceful and compassionate and tolerant though they would argue about the meaning of is and what is is, haven't you noticed that those who preach compassion 
peace and tolerance are often the most vicious, cruel, non-compassionate, and non-tolerant people. Liberals often speak to being compassionate and tolerant and peaceful while behaving in a manner that suggests just the very opposite. I myself have come across such folks since the election of President Barack Hussein Obama. Before his election, tolerance, peace, and compassion. But if I were to say that I do not agree with Obama's policies, well, that peacefulness, compassion, and tolerance is somehow... Well, it somehow dissipates into thin air. And out come the vicious attacks. And I'm sure you've heard, those of you who are of my hue, have heard many, those of you who are of my hue and who happen to be conservative, that is. Folks, this is pretty much the same way that a child who doesn't yet understand about caution or responsibility or even truth behaves when they angrily retort to someone who accuses them of something they don't want to take responsibility for. Example, you broke that lamp. No, you broke it. No, you did. <laughs> or perhaps my granddaughter. Pick up that toy. Clean up that room over there. And she retorts, just the other day, your knees are ashy. Changing the subject from cleaning up her room to pointing out that I have yet to moisturize my knees and that somehow that is a crime far worse than having a messy room. How fortunate how fortunate indeed that most adults have developed cognitive capabilities that enable them to determine causation and responsibility. Even if a child or the adult currently flushing our country down the toilet, for that matter, doesn't understand the concept. A series of questions are asked and answered. Who threw the ball that broke the lamp? Whose fingerprints are on the ball? What direction did it come from? Who was in the place where the ball was thrown? Were there witnesses? And in the example of the broken lamp, truth fleshed out by, well, and responsibility. And then responsibility is assigned for all children, and sadly maybe adults in these days. Reason is nothing more than a creative process and it's disconnected from cognition and even perhaps, or both, perception. As I've mentioned in previous blog talk shows, children in particular tend to use the more primitive psychological defenses because their minds are not yet mature enough for optimal cognitive functioning. Like so many liberals, as they grow mature, both physically and mentally, they don't need to lose that creative process that, that utilizes their emotions as perceptual tools. They only need to learn to subordinate it from their cognitive faculties and appreciate external reality, which most liberals do not. Now, what we're going to do right now is take a short break and then we'll come back and if you have any questions or anything to add to this reality-based discussion, by all means, do call in. The call-in number is 347-884-8500, and you're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I remember America. Sure, you can still find it on a map, but nobody older than 20 thinks this is America. America. 
Even if coordinates are the same, we've lost our compass. You don't have a direction without reference, a true north. For America, it was liberty. When we lost the love of liberty, our understanding of liberty, it was just a matter of time before the rest of it was lost. Some think it started when the auto companies were nationalized, or the police state to control the internet, or when certain companies couldn't fail because their relationship with politicians made them too big to fail, and the rest of us, without political influence, were too small to succeed. Sure, that all happened pretty quickly, over just a couple of years, but liberty had been gradually devolving for decades. Some of the more astute, like Ayn Rand, saw it about 50 years before others. She warned us. But people didn't believe it could happen here until it did. Laws had been used to loot productive individuals and businesses, but in the new millennium, under Bush and Obama, graft, corruption, and crony capitalism were no longer hidden behind closed doors. The looters and their laws came out of hiding like rabid animals that were no longer afraid of humans. It was brought into the spotlight, and it was celebrated as enlightened economic policy. Ayn Rand asked the question and Atlas shrugged that the rest of us were asking 60 years later. Which failing financial institution will the administration pluck from the flames of crisis? And which will it let roast? Which market or investment technique will the regulators bless? And which, in a capricious change of rules, will it condemn or outlaw? As John Galt said in his radio address, You decided you had a right to your wages, but we had no right to our profits. You called it selfish and cruel that men should trade value for value. Now established an unselfish society where they trade extortion for extortion. People who had never produced or managed anything tried to manage every aspect of our lives, and they brought production to a standstill. And eventually, they decided to micromanage the food supply in the name of fairness and safety. And we all know what happened then. Fiction can be a powerful influence for good or bad. It's too bad more people didn't read Atlas Shrugged. They might have realized where this was heading. Cage match while keeping the show just this side of sanity. Dangling over the edge, Conservative Primetime is one of our most popular shows. You can listen, or if you're brave enough, call in and make your point. If you think you can debate today's political discourse, call Conservative Primetime weeknights at 11:30 on the Wild Radio Network. Excellence in Broadcasting presents. Liberals of Genius. Liberals of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. President of the United States. Mr. President of the United States. You single-handedly managed to choke all the life out of the world's greatest economy in record time. Ten percent unemployment. No one else could have apologized more, spent more, or built a rat maze healthcare system from hell that only the IRS could love. What were you thinking? Thanks to you, FDR will be known as a conservative, Carter will look presidential, and Joseph Stalin won't seem like such a bad guy. Joe was misunderstood. So crack open a good book, sit on your butt, and help your buddies with a snowball's chance in November. Mr. President, the one we weren't waiting for. Welcome back to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report with your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. The call in number is 347-884-8500. Reality. Reality. When you live in a world where objective reality is unacknowledged, such as with most of the liberal community, is it any wonder that from your perspective, no one can ever prove that what you feel is true? No one. We talk about feelings and how liberals would much rather feel than think. I spoke with a friend earlier today 
about the voter ID law, where a voter goes into a polling place and presents an ID that corresponds with the name on the list. Instead of simply walking into the polling place and saying, my name is, well, Eric Holder. And then Eric Holder's name, oh, well, some dim-witted uh, poll, pollster scrolls down and sees Eric Holder on the rolls and says, okay, here's your little sticky thing. Go ahead and vote. I suggested that, well, if you need to have an ID, uh, you're stopped by a policeman. You're walking down the street and the police asks for your ID and you don't have one. You can actually be detained for not having a valid identification, be it an ID card or a driver's license. He can actually hold on to you for a little while until he establishes who you are. If that's the case, if IDs are so essential to our everyday business, be it a driver's license or just a plain old state ID, which most of us have, why shouldn't an ID be required in order to go in to exercise one of our most fundamental rights as citizens, the right to vote? There should be some basic requirements. And the response was, some people just don't have the money, the 20 30 or sometimes even $40 to go out and get an ID. And I suggested, well, in that case, they shouldn't vote. They shouldn't be allowed to vote if they can't produce an ID card or at least prove that they're a citizen of this great country with perhaps a birth certificate. I don't know. Is it any wonder? Now, this is why the same distortions and creative fabrications resurface time after time. In political discussions such as the one I had earlier today, the entire the economy is all Bush's fault, for example. And no matter how many times this is debunked, or no matter how reasonable one's argument is, and I suspect no matter how many years into Obamanomics we are, it'll be recycled by the reality-based, or rather the reality-deprived community. For the next 30 years, Obama was, even after Obama's defeated this November and thrown out of office and sent with his tail between his legs back to Chicago or wherever the hell he is from, the reason for his defeat will be blamed on George W. Bush. Because Bush so ruined the economy, it'll be reasoned, that Barack Obama, even his omnipotence, couldn't fix the problem. To them, Obama may be fading as a leftist messianic superstar, but only because he's not going far enough in shoving their policies down America's throat. Certainly not because those people don't work and never have worked and refuse to work and want something for nothing. The excuse I'm hearing in the so-called black community is that the hoods wait, no, no, I quote the hoods are coming off end quote as if all of a sudden Obama's policies are not meeting with anyone's approval not anyone who is of right-minded high-minded thinking that now racism is rearing its ugly head to prevent Obama from doing the things that he needs to do to get America back on track. So now all those liberal white folks who voted for President Obama and helped usher him into office are now somehow racist because Obama is now falling out of favor. The fickled racist they must be. Let's see what happens when America thoroughly rejects 
Mr. Obama in November. I predict that the left will not be assuaged or abasioned, nor will they even consider re-examining their political, let, their, let alone their uh, philosophical premises. No, uh, they'll be whiny and crying and babbling and screaming hysterically because aggressive and probably, well, they'll they'll become aggressive and probably violent and insist their policies were sabotaged by the likes of you and me, i.e. racist bigots who are homophobic, Islamophobic, sexist, and every other phobic you can be. That we are the ones they will suggest that we are the ones who will not face reality and so on and so forth and so on. I've heard folks say that the human species, indeed the American public must be led. I've heard that even great empires, even great countries that such as America must at some time fail and fall. There are those out there who would be okay if America would should fall from grace and become mediocre. We have a call on the line with just over eight minutes to go, so let's take our caller. I think it is my main man, Cool Mike. Caller, you're on with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. You got that right. It is cool, Mike. Doc, Mike. as always, I'm enjoying yeah. listening to the show. You know, it didn't take long after Jimmy Carter got voted out. It was just, Reagan wasn't even, uh, what, Reagan wasn't even a week out of the hospital when they were protesting, saying the country, uh, he's done nothing. So, you know, we're, we're going to see that regardless of whoever, uh, when uh, Obama gets voted out. But the, the, the big the big picture of the problem is under no circumstances, uh, unless Barack Obama is reelected, are these oddballs to the way, way, way left. They're not even left. They're like, yeah. it's it got the Bob Uecker seats, um, but they're not going to be happy. And I think just before you uh, took my call, Doc, you said it the best. These people have no loyalty to this country, to this Constitution, or to anybody who has defended this country. No. And the bottom line is they want to see America in the middle of the pack. Why win? Why even keep score? Uh, you know, we wouldn't want to hurt people's esteem at the age of 10 by losing anything. And that's uh, you hit the nail on the head. They have no love for this country. Mike, when my son, my youngest son, Nicholas, was a small, small lad, uh, he played soccer. I was a soccer dad. I'd take him to soccer, and uh, he'd play. And toward the end of the soccer season, every kid would get a trophy because every one of them was special. And we didn't want to give trophies to the winning team and, and not give trophies to everybody else. So there it went because we didn't want to hurt the little kids' feelings or their self-esteem. So take that, Mike, and expand it exponentially so that it covers every country now. We don't want to be exceptional. We don't want to claim American exceptionalism because that would make the other countries feel somehow less exceptional. So political correctness has moved from a continent to a global, a global scale. Well, and the ultimate the ultimate group for me of com- competitors is the 1960 Olympic team uh, in our basketball that won the silver. They didn't even show up to collect it. They were so pissed. Not because necessarily they got screwed out of the, uh, the medal, which they did, but bottom line is that these people came to be number one. And yeah. this, this country is number one. This country yeah. didn't get built. Everything, the foundation of this country. Do you think when uh, they, they signed the Declaration of Independence, they were like, well, at least now we can make a decent living and, you know, just get by. These guys had great ideas for this country. 
That's why they fought so hard for it. And it's no different than in the World War II. Uh, you know, a lot, uh, Hitler was under the impression we were too pampered or we were too spoiled to really fight a war. Well, he found out otherwise. Yeah. The bottom line is the same thing has crept in. But, you know, when it comes to the fight, they're going to lose. They're the first people that run at the sound of a firecracker. So you can imagine when a real bomb goes off where they're going to be heading. But the bottom line is that Barack Obama is what the modern-day savior for these people. Doc, yeah. he is absolutely everything. And, you know, the bottom line is, in many, many ways, I'm not a big fan of where the GOP is, but it's them against us. Clearly, at least in the GOP, there's a strong remnant of people like us and Tea Partiers and still conservatives that can give a fight. And the Democratic Party, you're either with them or you're nowhere. You're exactly right, Mike. We're just about out of time. Right. Mike, please, please announce please announce your show for tonight. I'd, I'd like to hear about it, and uh, I know a lot of tonight, listeners would, too. Tonight, 11.30. You should tune in, Doc. Tonight, 11.30, GGT and ABC are on. Um, I'm, 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 I'm not uh, – I call in. I'm a guest, so I get to harass people in the chat room. But it's on the uh, positive effects in the black community and what the black community – the, the um, successes in the black community. And you know what, Doc? Shame on you. How dare you want to make a living and provide for your family without uh, government assistance? You I know. You must not be a real Negro. I'm a traitor. I'm a traitor to my race. All right, man. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. I think that was cool. Mike, uh, who uh, regularly calls in and sometimes hosts a show with uh, GDT 183 on at 1130 at night. Also with uh, cool uh, with uh, Annie, the radio chick, uh, Southern Sense, uh, uh, weekdays at uh, 2 p.m. All right. Oh, and of course, 2020 Radio Network, who has a show on tonight at 9 p.m. following me. Please tune in and, and dig him. He is one of the best. And, uh, and and his show is even better than mine. Can you imagine? So tune in to his show. You'll love it. All right. We're going to sign off for the night. I want to thank everybody for listening. I hope you had a great weekend. And please tune in tomorrow because we're going to finish this up and we're going to talk about a whole lot more. All right. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America and shake it out for the rest of the week. We are out of here.